0: podcasting time i am jonathan isaacson and this is just another jerk dispatches from japan the podcast subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you listen to podcasts rate the show and if you got a minute give it a review be nice oh and of course the nicest thing you can do is share the show share it with your friends share it with your enemies share it with your dogs share it with your coworkers. just share it share it with random people you see on the street just Give them a QR code. Just hand out QR codes. Let's do that. Is that a thing? I don't think that's a thing. Let's make it a thing. No, actually, don't don't do that. Don't don't go out handing random QR codes to random people and tell them to to, to scan it. Um, anyway, so the day that this episode drops is it's my fortieth birthday. Yay! There was much rejoicing, right, uh, brave Sir Robin. Anyway. You know, and I thought maybe I could come and talk about something profound or, you know, lessons I've learned in in my 40 years. And I got nothing for you on that. I mean, it doesn't feel that different than 30. certainly doesn't feel any different than 35. It feels different than 20 and 25. But, you know, that's, yeah, there's nothing really that big, deep, profound, you know, experiences I've had recently or, or I, that I've thought about at least recently. So I'll spare you that. Um, just, you know, whatever I'm rambling. So today, say very much a hashtag content kind of day, but I do want to talk about something that has been in the news. Um, it's been an in international news too. Um, Certainly, at least for me, I I see all the international stories because my Google News Feed, uh, it it, it has lots of Japanese stories thanks to the algorithms, thank you, search histories, and all the, you know, all the spying that the big tech companies do on us, but that's just unfortunately part of life here in the 21st century unless we really want to go to great lengths to avoid that. But anyway... You may have seen the news from Japan about the princess and her her, her now husband. They did get married, um, and the, oh all well, the consternation it called, it caused. So let's talk a little bit about Japan's imperial family. The Roy- J- Japan has royals. Um, now, it is by a lot of you know, by most claims, and probably accurately so, it is the oldest continuous uh, single hereditary line of succession of a royal family anywhere in the world. Um, it supposedly dates all the way back to Emperor Jimu in 660 BCE, um, but the first, I think is 29 regents. There is no historical verifiable proof that they existed. Um, the first verifiable uh, emperor, where we can actually verify it with something other than, there there are these couple of ancient Japanese histories. And those are the ones that tell the stories of Jimu and the next 29 emperors. And then Emperor Kinme in 539 CE, that's when we finally have a, we can verify his existence in other records other than these just these these traditional Japanese history books and everyone since Kime is verifiably you know a direct line of descent um, and so yeah it is a very old imperial family a royal family um, and for a lot of history it's been pretty much just a figurehead and um, because you have all the shoguns, uh, there have been three. There were three different periods of shogunates. Who, that's you know well over a thousand years of Japanese history um, with the shoguns, and so yeah, the emperor di- for a lot of history hasn't done more than just. Well, in the days of the shogun, he would the emperor would rubber stamp the uh, the shogun's decisions. You know, they, the shogun would claim that they were acting on behalf of the emperor um sometimes yes sometimes not really but yeah the emperor didn't actually do much of anything um sat cloistered in in his uh palace down in usually in kyoto sometimes in nara osaka the 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 capital of japan kind of bounced around a long long time ago before it kind of settled on kyoto and then now tokyo but yeah so the emperor didn't do much then you get the major restoration, you know, 1865, uh, 1868, sorry. And yeah, that then the emperor is again, in charge, actually the sovereign, the the lead, the actual political leader of the country. And that lasts until the end of World War Two. And now the emperor is just a figurehead, like not even, even more so than the the, imperial, the, the royal family in England, right? In England, right, they officially have to get the queen's approval, I think. Is that right? I, I shouldn't say that because I actually don't know. But the imperial family in Japan has even less power than the royal family in England. They are, the, the imperial family in Japan, literally just figureheads. They have no power whatsoever, right? The prime minister doesn't have to get the emperor's approval for stuff at all. I mean, even like in a rubber stamp kind of way. And another issue that kind of shows up a lot is that only men can ascend to the chrysanthemum throne. So that that's the kind of the, the name the, the chrysanthemum throne. The chrysanthemum is the official the flower of the imperial family, whatnot. And um, only men, only only men can ascend the, to the throne. And that was a big issue, actually, when I first moved to Japan, seventeen plus years ago now. So when I moved here, there were no male heirs, and part of this is tied to the fact that um, well, there's a couple reasons. One, in the post World War II um, Constitution all of the kind of collateral lines, all the side lines of the imperial family, they were no longer officially part of the imperial family. They were removed. It was just the direct line of the emperor. Um, And so you lost a lot of kind of secondary tertiary royals. They kind of just are no longer royals. And another issue is that women, once they, if they're, you know, if they're part of the direct line, if women who are in the, um, in the royal family, if they marry a commoner, which is almost everyone in the world, if they marry someone like that, they're out of the family. And that's happened recently and we'll get we'll get there. I'm getting there, I promise I'm getting there. So you you so you yeah, you, you're basically shedding all these royals really fast. And so when I came here there were no male heirs. I mean there was the the emperor at the time had two sons were in their like 40s I think maybe 40 maybe 50s when I first moved here Um, and now the oldest son he's now the current emperor um, as of two years ago and so right and this is all again this is all kind of these post-World War II changes Um, although the women thing that's the women not be the the women not being able to be emperor that's actually an older thing but not as old as you might think uh, if you know Japanese history at all Japan has had eight official empresses like not like empress consort no like empress the woman in charge of the country there have been eight women who have held that position Um, the last one she abdicated in 1771 and there actually were a couple very important empresses like the the start of Japanese coinage that was an empress empress Gemme I think was her name she, well, her, her reign, her, not her, her personal name, but her imperial name. She started coins in Japan, like in the 700s, I think, uh, of the common era. So there have been important women emperors. So it's not like without precedent, but not since 1771. Um, so, yeah, not recent, but not as far back as you might think. And so, right, so, so when, but when I got here, when I came to Japan in 2004, that was, there were no young male heirs to the throne, right? The emperor at the time had, I think, three granddaughters. I think it was three. Yeah, it would have been three three granddaughters, right? So there was there was Princess Mako, Princess Kako, and the youngest was um, Princess Aiko. And Princess Aiko, she's the youngest of those three that I mentioned. And she was the one, her father is now the emperor. And everyone loved her. She was this little cute, I mean, she was born in 2001. So I moved here. She was three, maybe four years, not quite three years old, two or three years old when I got to Japan. Everyone loved her. She was this cute little girl. And yeah, I mean, she's a cute little girl. She's like three years old. Of course she's cute. Um, The public absolutely loved her and there was some talk of changing the rules and saying okay sure maybe we could let a woman take the throne because the way it's looking right now there are no there, there are no heirs after this this after the, the emperor's sons okay what are we going to do but then so princess aiko everyone loved her There was talk, maybe we should change the rules, but in 2006, her cousin was born. Uh, Prince, let me get his name right, Uh, where is it? Hisahiko. Prince Hisahiko was born in 2006. And so now he is the second in line. Well, at the time, he was third in line because it's confusing because when I came, there was a different emperor. He retired because... He was the first emperor in a long 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 time to retire rather than die um and uh yeah so so there was like say that the time the emperor his two sons and then the younger son is the one who had uh hisahiko prince hisahiko and so basically the whole issue of women's you know ascending to throne that issue just got punted down the down the road and you know, no one talks about it anymore. Um, Not like it's not going to happen again, because at this point, if, you know, the way things go, like I say, a woman gets married, she's out of the royal family, so her kids can't be emperor. Right now, there's Hisahiko. And that's it, right? His dad is second in line because his dad is the brother, the younger brother to the emperor. So you got the emperor, his younger brother and his nephew, the emperor's nephew. Those are the three males. And that's it. Everyone else, right? There are it's girls, women. I should say um, women, and because I realized I was looking at yeah, okay, two thousand one, Princess Aiko's twenty. Okay, um, I've been in Japan a while. I, I realize, when I look at when I look at stuff like that. But yeah, so Hisahiko is the only young male heir to the imperial throne and so what if he gets married and doesn't have a boy you got the same issue again so like i say they they just punted the issue down the line and didn't actually address anything and they haven't and that's well the the whole thing is going to happen again and frankly personally i wouldn't care if the whole thing just imploded and bye-bye imperial family because you know I, i royal families are Royal families are weird, especially when you're a const, you know, like a constitutional democracy. Um, but yeah, why, why, whatever. Um, yeah. So anyway, let's talk about some of the problems that this is also actually created for the women in the family. And so, let's talk about the empress. Um, her name is Masako. That's her 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 personal name, right? Because they they use it's kind of weird they use they have spe- they have titles that serve as their official names but then they have their per they still have their personal names or whatever yada yada it's a little confusing but anyway empress masako she is the daughter of a politician and she is super well educated really really smart woman Uh, She went to both Harvard and Oxford and got degrees. So she's really smart. She was an international diplomat. Um, International diplomat? Diplomats are kind of international. That's redundant. She was a diplomat uh, before she got married to the, at the time, crown prince. And she was put under a lot of pressure to have a boy child. And that did not go well. Like I said, mean, so Aiko is her daughter, her and the emperor's daughter, and that's their only kid, right? And she, she was under so much pressure. She had, she developed some mental illnesses. Um, I don't know. I forget the exact terms, of what they said it was, but basically she could not function in public because of all the pressure that was being put on her by the largely by the Imperial household agency and we'll get to them they're okay we'll get to the Imperial household agency in just a minute here but she ha- she got really sick she could not perform public duties for years because of all the pressure um, and yeah so this is one of the pro- one of the problems what they what they the, the system has been created um, and so yeah that 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 was pretty awful what happened to her and could potentially happen to hisahiko uh, Hisahiko, the young boy if he gets married his wife will have to face the same pressure because he is literally the only option at that point um and so yeah let's talk then there's all so like i said so that's the empress masako and so the emperor's younger brother uh the crown prince akishino he has three daughter three three sorry three kids two daughters and one son uh his his eldest daughter is princess mako the second daughter is princess kako and then his son is uh prince hisahiko i think kako uh, mako i think is 30 kako i think is like 26 28 and then hisahiko is uh be 15 i guess now and yeah, um, let's talk about Mako, because she, I keep calling her Princess Mako, she's officially not Princess Mako anymore, she's officially just, well, she's Komuro Mako now, um, and she may be the person you've seen in the news if you pay attention to Japanese news recently. So Princess Mako is, she, say she's a, at this point, 30 years old, so she went to International Christian University, which is a very well-respected, re- uh, very, uh, it's, it's one of the best private schools in Japan. The kind of school that, yes, you would send one of the, you know, imperial kids to. It's like, okay, this is a good school, very good school. And so she went there. Um, I don't know what her major in uh, undergrad was, but I know she has a, I think it's uh, historical preservation master's degree from some from cambridge oxford one of those really good school in england so she's also really smart um speaks english obviously pretty fluently um and so icu international christian university is a very good school and that's where she met her future husband now husband um k and could put in Japanese komuroke. It's, it's hard for me to say it in the. It's, it's so much easier for me to say the Japanese order, but so the Japanese tabloids, like these are like the, the just the worst. You know these You know the kind of the England They're really bad in England. The Japanese tabloids are pretty bad too. You know the U.S. has them. Not. They're not quite as. I mean the U.S. has got other problems. It's got you know it's got its own issues but it doesn't have the tabloids quite like the UK or Japan does and the tabloids dug up dirt on Komuro K's family and the big one was his mother his his divorced mother she owed money like a, a fair amount I mean for a private individual you know it was like $30,000 US equivalent 36,000 so a lot but not not a huge amount of money right so she owed a, an, a former fiance a fair amount of money. And somehow that became an issue. Like, oh, this this boy, this young man whose mother owes who, whose single mother, owes money to her former fiance. He's not fit to marry a royal, even though once they marry, she's not a royal anymore because like I talked about, Mako, once she gets married to a commoner, is out of the royal family, but that doesn't actually make, you know, that doesn't that doesn't matter, even though it's, you know, logical. But anyway, somehow, right, Komodo mother owing money made him unfit to marry a princess. And a lot of it's sexism right there was issue uh, I, I forget was what some journalist was talking about a big part of it is that they're a very a vocal but small segment of the Japanese population thinks that single mothers are unfit to do basically anything um, that they are somehow more they, they failed morally somehow and so if her, his mother failed morally then obviously K also is morally suspect or some BS. Um, whereas I'm sure if it were a single father raising a kid, they'd be, oh, look at this single father doing it. I mean, you know what they would do. Um, again, this is not the majority of the Japanese population, I don't think. It is a very vocal uh, portion, but it's a, it's, I think, a small portion of the Japanese population. And so, yeah... They were planning to get married in 2018, and that got called off because just the ridiculousness of the tabloids. And so, like I say, both of these. So Mako went to ICU. That's where she met Komuroke. This, you know, boy from a, a broken home somehow got into one of the best universities in Japan and did, did pretty well, from what I understand. Well enough that he got a scholarship of some sort to go study law at Fordham University in the U.S. You know, pretty, from what I think, that sounds like probably it's a pretty good school. He sounds like he's probably a pretty smart guy. So I don't see what the issue is. But apparently it is an issue. Um, At least, again, not to most people. This is a, a, a small percentage of the population, I think. Um, and so, yeah, so, so K go, he goes off to the U S after they, they have to postpone the wedding. He says, okay, I'm going to figure out my, fi- my family's financials, take care of all this. Once we have it settled, then, okay, we'll come, we'll get married. And so apparently Mako and Kay didn't see each other in person for like, couple of years i mean obviously part of that i think is corona but yeah he was off in the u.s studying becoming a lawyer she was back in the royal you know compound essentially and yeah k came back because they got married earlier this week they got married um k came back to the US, from the u.s with a ponytail and that caused a stir for again some people like oh no he's got a ponytail what is a ponytail wearing guy get doing getting married to a princess um it looked good on him it was a good pony. it was a nice ponytail it wasn't some scraggly scruffy pony it was a nice well-kept ponytail i don't see what the issue is but that's me yeah so apparently and this so okay they got married and just basically just turned in their paperwork because in japan that that a lot of people get married without actually doing a wedding ceremony. You turn in your paperwork at the city hall, um, and that's it. And then that's essentially what they did. And then they had a press conference. Kay had cut his hair um, because probably the pressure just to make sure present himself as cleanly as possible for the for the for the muckrakers. And they got married. Right, Mako said that we're going to forego the gift that you know women get when they exit the family um you know just do it get it done and they're planning to move to the U.S. and he'll work as a lawyer she'll probably like I say she's got a degree in historic preservation like uh museum curatorship she'll she can probably do New York City there's lots of museums she can find a job and they will be able to live a fairly anonymous life in the U.S. I think because no one is going to know outside of you know, the absolute most Japan-interested folks. No one's going to know who they are. There'll just be a Japanese couple, and they can live their life quietly. Um, So, yeah. But in there, they had a press conference, and Mako basically told them, you know, you guys basically ruined our lives. And she's apparently suffering from PTSD, so that's great. Um Maybe this whole royal thing. Let's get rid of them. Just stop them. Let it be. Let them be just people. Let leave them alone. Um, So, kind of interesting thing about this was that watching, watching mainstream Japanese TV news, um, something like NHK, Fuji TV, Asahi TV. Those kind. Not. I'm not talking about the tabloid newspapers because they're trash. I'm talking about the mainstream, you know, the equivalent of ABC, CBS, NBC in the US, you know, BBC, um, you know, that kind of thing. The people they interviewed, the regular people they interviewed about the wedding, it's like, oh, good for them. I hope they will be happy. Most of the people on mainstream Japanese TV news were like, yes, good for them. Uh, my wife absolutely just like, leave them alone. Let them be, let them get married. Who cares? Just let them do their thing. And, Apparently, and I only saw this in the English language news stories, so I think there's some there, there's an element of the US news and US British news sources are picking up on the tabloid news stories and not the mainstream Japanese news stories and probably overblowing it a little bit. Um, apparently, there were protesters outside the the, you know saying, Oh, and I'm gonna guess there were probably mostly. 50 60 year old old men um maybe a few like right-wing nationalists and that's probably it because that's kind of what i get the sense is who actually cares about this um but yeah it was just yeah i guess hey i mean her her aunt the empress faced lots of pressure she has probably ptsd and other mental health issues because of all the you know everything. Mako has ended up with PTSD because of her debacle with, uh, with everything with the press. Like I say, let's get rid of royal family. Just get rid of it. They don't do anything. They're literally just a figurehead. They have no political power at all. The government doesn't even officially need to have their approval. They can do whatever they want. So what's the point of the royal family? I don't know. And. So let's talk about, let's talk about one of the elephant in the room here with, if, if you know your Japan, uh, if you're a royal, a J- a Japanese royal washer, you know about the Imperial Household Agency and they're a big part of the problem. So the Imperial Household Agency is, they are essentially, they are the emperor's handlers, essentially. They're the ones that make all the arrangements for like state dinners and 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 just basically, anytime the emperor is going to go out and you know out into the public, they're the ones kind of making the arrangements. They're also the ones who put a lot of pressure on the empress to have a boy child. And I imagine are kind of also some of the impetus behind Mako and Komuroke putting off their wedding until this past week. Um, they are really conservative um now when i say conservative of course i'm not speaking like the american conservative political movement no i'm talking to like traditional use of the word conservative they don't like change um which i mean not surprising considering they are the, the the branch of government who is whose job it is to prop up and maintain a anachronistic uh political remnant not political uh, anachronistic remnant of of past whatever um them conservative who'd a thunk they like i say all the pressure on the on the women of the family um and so there one more issue with the with the imperial household agency um so japan has these imperial kofun so kofun are these burial mounds um you know the high ranking people from back well over a thousand years ago, like at this point thirteen fourteen hundred years ago and there are several hundred of them like they're actually across the country, there are thousands of them. Um, there are a couple here in Miyagi um, where I live. there was one a very small one very close to where I lived in Saitama. It took me like four like three years to realize, oh, that's a burial mound, like an ancient burial mound. It's just in the middle of a park and you just, ride right by it on a, there's a short little bike path you walk go right by it it just looks like a hill in the park but no it's a burial mound okay um, but they're they're all over the country and there are some 740 of them that are officially classified as imperial burial mounds and the international ha- the in, sorry the imperial household agency will not allow archaeological study of any of them despite the fact that the vast majority of them maybe not the majority a lot of them most archaeologists say these are imperial in name only almost assuredly most of them are just you know it would have been chieftains like of the village or whatever you know just high-ranking people not in the imperial family just other well-off people right not all the pyramids were emperors you know, or pharaohs, sorry, or whatever. You know, there are there are there are small pyramids to lesser people. Um, so yeah, the big Kofun, yes, those are probably emperors, but not all of them. And so yeah, they, they just will refuse them. And one one thing that a lot of archaeologists and, and, and researchers suspect, one of the reasons they think is that they think that some of these burial mounds may hold evidence that there's a lot more influence from Korean and Chinese culture in Japan, and the Imperial Household Agency doesn't want people, they don't want people to know that. They want, their kind of, uh, their thing is to preserve this myth that Japan is the singular, unique culture that developed all on its own, which is complete BS, and I think anyone who stops and thinks about it probably knows that yeah that's not entirely that that's not how things work but uh yeah it's it's kind of a mess but you know the the not it's it's a mess for archaeologists it's not like an actual mess for anyone who doesn't do is not history if you're not a historian or archaeologist it's not a mess for you but for people who are researching that kind of thing they can't do proper research on the origins of japanese society on Japanese civilization and culture, because the Imperial Household Agency is just not even a little bit of research can be done on most of these these tumuluses on these burial mounds. So yeah, it's it's kind of stupid, and like I say, I I should talk about the Imperial Household Agency at some point in a little more detail because they are, it they're kind of bastards, you know not they don't probably don't think of themselves as that they think of themselves as upholding tradition, but they're kind of, I mean, they're, yeah, like I say, they're very, very conservative in a way that is not surprising when they're the ones who say it's their job to uphold the, uh, uphold the sanctity, the, the, the image of the Imperial family at the expense of the Imperial family's health. It also kind of puts a wall between the Imperial family and, the people of japan um because there's not really the same kind of connection between the imperial family and the people of japan as there is with the british royals and the because there are a lot of british people who are really like the royal family even if they're not necessarily start like super you know you know monarch. even if they're not monarchists they still kind of like the imperial family some of them but that there's no connection in the japanese imperial family to the japanese people by and large so like I say, it's kind of a mess. Thankfully, Mako, she got out of it. Um, she and Komodo Kei can go be anonymous in New York City. Um, yeah, and hopefully they will have a good life out of the cocoon and out of the scrutiny. Um, if I were her, I wouldn't want to live in Japan anymore. I'll certainly say that. And I guess that is where I will end it for today. A little bit rambly. I'm sorry about that. It was just kind of... A lot more speaking off the top of my head today than usual. Um, so, yeah, that's all for today. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and review it wherever you cast your pods. Uh, the podcast, it's on, you know, if you got Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon. Uh, Amazon, just Amazon Music, I guess. Yeah, it's in a lot of places. Um, so, go find it. Uh, and yeah if you want to find me on twitter you can find it at just another cast um send me ideas what do you want me to talk about i'd love to hear hear from you you can also send an email podcast at gmail.com and you can find all this information on the website which is tinyurl.com jerkpod that's all for me i'm jonathan isaacson And I'm out. Peace.